Lake Lugano, then? Oh, absolutely, she said. Tomorrow's boat train, if my maid can get everything packed up in time. But what about this house? I wanted to ask, what about me? But I was too proud to do so. She shrugged, as if this had only just occurred to her. I've paid the rent through the end of the month, she said. Feel free to stay on if you want to. That wasn't the response I had wanted. For one heady moment, I had hoped that she'd invite me to Lake Lugano with her, and we'd continue with her autobiography on a vine-covered terrace overlooking the lake with a pot of good coffee or maybe glasses of champagne beside us. What about your book? I asked. Aren't you going to finish it? She laughed. Oh, darling, it was such a silly idea, wasn't it? I don't really want my adoring public to know the sordid details of what I've been up to, and as you saw for yourself, there's not much I can divulge without fear of lawsuits. I don't know why I wanted to do it in the first place. I do, I wanted to say. You wanted a reason to spend some time in London with your only daughter. I felt a lump come into my throat. Come on, get your coat on, she said, attempting to drag me up from the table. That food isn't fit for man or beast anyway. We'll get something out. Where are we going in such a hurry? Shopping, of course. I have nothing to wear that's suitable for a Swiss lake. Harrods or Barkers, do you think? Both so stodgy and English, aren't they? I wonder if I should stop off in Paris for a quick run on Chanel. Of course, Coco won't be there. She's bound to be at her villa in Nice, or on someone's yacht. My thoughts sped back to the heady time the year before. Mummy's villa, Chanel's dresses, so many adventures. I wondered what it would be like to be the kind of person who mentions casually that she should make a quick run on Chanel. I did at least own one Chanel outfit now, plus some elegant clothes that Mummy had bought me, and it occurred to me that it was rather pathetic of me to feel so let down. I followed Mummy into the front hall as she threw a blonde mink stole around her shoulders and placed an adorable cloche hat on her head. I shouldn't be relying on my mother, I told myself. I should be making my own way in the world. Actually, there was nothing I wanted more. God knows I had tried, but the world was still in the grips of the Great Depression, and there were no jobs, even for people with oodles of qualifications. My education at a posh Swiss finishing school had only equipped me to walk around with a book on my head, to curtsy without falling over, most of the time, and snag a suitable husband. In case you think I was a pathetic specimen unable to attract a man, let me tell you that I was unofficially engaged to an absolutely dreamy chap called Darcy O'Mara. What's more, he was the son of an Irish peer, which should make him eminently suitable for the daughter of a duke like me, except that he was as broke as I was, lived by his wits, and made money in dubious ways. So there was no wedding in my foreseeable future, unless Darcy struck it rich somehow. When I last heard from him, he was in Argentina, involved in some kind of secret undertaking, probably an arms deal. Come on, darling, let's go and find a taxicab. I've got absolutely masses to do if I'm to get out of here tomorrow. Mummy yanked at me again as I tried to put on my coat. I thought you weren't going to bother with London shops and were going to stop in Paris, I said. One does need some basics, she said. Good woolen underwear, for example. We might go skiing in the Alps, and Harrods can come up with something tolerable occasionally. Is it too late for cashmere in Lugano, do you think? Without waiting for an answer, she dashed into the street and started looking for a cab. 
I was about to follow her out the front door when the lugubrious figure of Mrs. Toombs appeared from the kitchen area. Done with your breakfast then, are you? She asked in that voice that always implied that life was an unbearable burden. Yes, thank you, Mrs. Toombs. Going out then, are you? She did have a talent for stating the obvious. I was on the front step with my coat on. Yes, Mrs. Toombs, my mother needs to do some shopping. Always shopping, she is. Doesn't she have enough clothes by now? She's already got both wardrobes full upstairs. Privately, I felt that my mother would never have enough clothes. Shopping was a major sport for her, but I wouldn't dream of being disloyal in front of a domestic. I don't think that Miss Daniel's shopping habits are anything to do with us, I said, referring to my mother by her stage name, which she preferred to use over her current legal one. She was still officially married to an American oil tycoon called Homer Clegg, who had so far refused to grant her a divorce owing to a purity.